Welcome to episode 242 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And I'm Brian Cristiano, founder and CEO of Bulwar Wide. By the way, if you want to follow us on social, Rob, what's your handle? At Rob Cressy. And mine is at Bold CEO. Rob, kick us off. What are we talking about today, man? Today, we are talking about my experience running the Tough Mudder and building a community. Nice. So, Brian, building a community, I believe, is one of my biggest strengths and something that I'm very passionate about. It's what I've done for the last six years with Bacon Sports, uh, day by day, creating a community of bacon-loving, jersey-rocking sports fans. And then I've I've very much taken to other communities. Uh, I studied improv and comedy writing at Second City for four years. So I've got the comedy community there. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, so all things Pittsburgh sports. I live in Chicago, so I've got a Chicago community there. And I feel that one area where brands fail at so much is on the community building side. And when I ran the Tough Mudder two weeks ago, and shout out to Jerome from Tough Mudder, who we had on our podcast on that episode a while ago, I committed to doing it. It was a 10-mile race. And the number one thing that stuck out to me about Tough Mudder, the second that I got there was the community aspect. I instantly felt this this sense of community, and here's why. I was initially going to run it with five different team members. Guess what? All four of them backed out. Oh, no way. Really? So you went by yourself? Went by myself. I trained for three months for it. It's one of those things when when I commit to doing it, and the reason, aside from saying yes to Jerome on the podcast, was it was a good reason for me to stay in shape all summer. So I knew I was working out five days a week, training for the Tough Mudder with a goal. So once it got there and everyone's like, I can't do it now, I was like, well, that's fine. I'm still going to do this. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it by myself, knowing that some of these obstacles are pretty intensive and tough. And the second I got there, I was I just went to some stranger and I was like, hey, I'm doing this by myself. Any tips? And they're like, oh, you're going to have the best time in the world. People definitely help you along the race and everything. So for me, it was an absolutely unbelievable experience. And I'll kick this off. Give me two questions you have for me about the Tough Mudder. How'd you do? One. Uh, awesome. Physically, I was in peak shape, so uh, I crushed it. One point one. Question one point one. What was the toughest uh, toughest part or obstacle? So, what I will say is my experience was fun and shocking. And the reason I say shocking is two parts. One, a very simple obstacle. You just see this ice bath standing there. You just have to jump in it and then go underneath a tire and swim to the other side. Well, guess what? You're like, oh, I jumped in, that's pretty cold. And then you put your head underneath the water and you just run seven miles plus obstacles. I'm not kidding when I say my breath got taken away and I wanted to run because I thought that my body was gonna die. Oof, that sounds intense, dude. Well, it was because, because we're, what, an hour plus into this race and then all of a sudden your body transformation just changes because of the state it goes from warm and wet to like freezing (laughs) and and then the last one is tough mudder is known for at the very very end like 10 feet in front of the finish line Hmm. they have these electrocution wires where you're running through these this mud and it may only be 20 or 30 yards and i'm like whatever it's gonna be fine i'm certainly gonna do it 
Holy smokes, Batman. Really? Getting electrocuted. <laughs> it, it legitimately, when I was done with the race, my feet hurt from the electrocution. It sounds shocking. <laughs> it, was, it was shocking and awesome. And I highly, highly, highly recommend it. The experience was great. The atmosphere was great. The sense of community was fantastic. And Tough Mudder, the way that they've grown to where they are now is because of the sense of community that they've built. Did you, so my last question, I did like one and 1.1, question number two officially is, is I know they do a ton of content and like live and streaming. Were you aware of that? Were there like cameras? Did they have anything integrated there or social? Like how was that the marketing side of the experience? I saw very little from a marketing standpoint. What did actually work, by the way, was I don't know if it was in the post race when they give you a banana and a bunch of things and a t-shirt, but there is two little flyers in there. One of them, I don't remember what it was, but the other one was the CEO or founder of Tough Mudder has a book coming out in September cool. about building a tribe and a community. Yep. Oh, how relevant because I love reading. I now love Tough Mudder and boom, I went ahead and bought that book because of that. But in terms of the way that we live in with digital and social, I did not see like a certain setup other than the general, you're going to see people with cameras everywhere. Right. Right. That's still cool though. Look, I mean, obviously they do a good job, but it also, I think even for them means there's more upside and more potential, more opportunity on the content and the social side, which is a good thing. So Brian, I want to switch this over to you. So as we've continued to watch Growing Bold, and when do those episodes drop? They air every Tuesday on Facebook and YouTube. So Brian, as we continue to watch your journey of building a $100 million agency, you've built a community of people that are looking to you as a thought leader where you're helping them along on their business journey and want to see if you can share some tips for what you've learned as you've built this community where um, I've definitely seen a huge transformation in you yourself, but then the way that you're helping others and I love everything that I'm seeing. Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate it. Listen, it's, it's uh, what are we, eight episodes in as we're recording this uh, podcast. Um, so it's really only been about two months since we launched and it's really kind of insane. I mean, we've grown all of my social followings by more than 100%, like the smallest growth was 100%. Um, and so it's, it's, and I think that that's where we're measuring it from because, because what I know from obviously the client side, a lot of brands and clients and teams get stuck in looking at the data and the numbers and just saying like, all right, like what was our conversion rate? How many leads did we get? What was like the ultimate end result? And they forget that at the end of the day for social to truly be, effective and any marketing today to be effective, you need to have true real engagement. And so that's really the main metric that we're measuring, which is really just like, do people care about the content? And of all the content that we're putting out, what do they care about? And what do they not like? And what do they not care about? And then we're optimizing against that, which sounds so simple. But the two things I've learned the most from it, because unlike working with clients, we have obviously incredible clients. I love them all. When we're doing this for ourselves, we have 100% freedom and 100% control, which is unlike ever working with any client. We do whatever we want. We come up with an idea at midnight and we can execute it the next morning. And so it's given us full freedom just go like, hey, you know that thing that we want to try? Let's just do it. The two biggest things that I don't want to say were surprising, but we've definitely uh, seen clearly consistency and volume absolutely matter absolutely matter especially if we're talking about facebook 
consistency of content and volume. I mean, we're putting out roughly 50 to 65 pieces of content a week on Facebook. We're putting out over 100 pieces of content on Twitter. And now you and I talked earlier that you you run the risk of becoming a little bit impersonal when you put out that volume of content. But Twitter's a little different, I think. We can talk about that another time. But really, the consistency, I think, is the most important. Because episode one came out, and yeah, obviously, we put paid media behind it. We got reach. People paid attention. Most of it was positive feedback. Some wasn't. But that's okay. That's to be expected. Um, episode two, a little bit of more traction. Episode three, more traction. Four, more. Five, more. Six, more. Now we've gotten to the point of where I still have a very tiny audience, relatively speaking, to uh, brands or other um, vloggers and, and personalities out there. But our average, uh, over the last three episodes, our average organic reach on Facebook when we post the episode without putting any media behind it for the first 24 hours is about 42% organic reach. The average organic reach on Facebook in general is 2.6%. And what we really understand that it is, is by being consistent people expect something. So now they're looking for it. They're waiting for it. They're more likely to look at it, right? And then they're engaging with it. And this is the most important part is you have to engage back. Because if I just let all these comments and likes and shares happen and it just happened, I went on to the next one, people would think I didn't really care, but I am doing my damnedest to respond to every comment, every share, every direct message. And I got to say, it's kind of flattering, but it's overwhelming the volume that I'm getting. And so when you really have that conversation, you create a real relationship. It's virtual, but it's real. And I think you nailed it right there with the engagement. And one thing that uh, I recommend for every digital strategy that I do with brands and clients is you have to ask questions. Like asking questions has to be the core of engagement because no one's ever going to respond back to you if you don't give them that opportunity to respond. And as you mentioned, if all of a sudden you give them that opportunity, not only are you opening up the floodgates to build a relationship, but guess what? Facebook says, oh, here's this guy who's creating great content and people are responding back to it. Maybe we'll give him some more organic reach. Exactly, right? I mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, you're kind of fighting the algorithm. And the and, and, and brands argue like, oh, well, the organic reach stinks. Yeah, but if you make really good content, the organic reach doesn't stink. I mean, 42% on average for three episodes, which, by the way, were all over seven minutes long. So they weren't little tiny pieces of content. Uh, that's massive. And so it, can, it absolutely can be done. Um, the other thing I would say, actually, that I was legitimately surprised on obviously i'm all for facebook live but in 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 live content but in my experience i i typically feel like hey look it's got to be something that the only place you can catch it is live like sporting events and games and stuff like that that's actually happening in real time like something that's happening like a tough mutter i'm gonna tune it because it's just happening then i don't necessarily need to see it live later so we're like, look, we're going to test everything. We're going to try everything. We'll do a live. We'll see if we can get some engagement, ask some questions, go back and forth. We did the Facebook live. And by the way, we do that every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern um, on Facebook. The engagement and the organic reach was so phenomenal that we're, I honestly, after the second week that we did, I was like, damn, I almost kind of hoped it wasn't because now we have to fully commit to every Thursday at 1 p.m. doing a Facebook live. But what I realized that the real power is not the fact that it's live. The real power is that people can engage and ask questions in real time. So they say something or ask something and you can respond to it for real. That's the power of live, not that it's a real event happening in that moment. 
Well, and I think what that speaks to is authenticity, which is extremely important to building a community. Because for me, what I've noticed building Bacon Sports is people want to be around other like-minded people who are passionate about the same things that they are. So for me, my homework is very much passion, have fun, and then it's certainly longevity. So you've talked about consistency. Here's where a lot of people and brands fail is they'll do it for a hot minute. Let's call it a month, three months, six months. But what about six years later? When you start from, especially if you're just starting a brand and you're at zero to a hundred followers, you're like, holy smokes, this is difficult. I remember the very first day that I ever got a hundred people to my website. I was like, this is unbelievable. I think I just struck gold. A hundred people to the website. (laughs) And then the thing is, you keep building and building and building. And why? Because that's how word of mouth happens. And then you keep engaging and you keep making people feel some sort of way. And you're creating these positive brain interactions. And when you build a community, you create positive brain interactions and you do it over and over and over and over again. And then you're providing value. And then all of a sudden, your numbers grow. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's it, right? It isn't a short-term play. It's not a short-term game. And, uh, and, and, and I think the other thing, too, is you have to also expect you're going to put stuff out. You're going to say things, do things, show things that nobody cares about that are a total miss. And that's awesome. That's where also, aside from volume being important because people are going to see it, which, by the way, it is just a no question now that volume is absolutely a big variable in the success on social But aside from that piece of it, the volume also allows you to test more content. So we get more feedback more quickly. When I do 100 Twitter posts a week, my God, that's 100 opportunities and 100 data points to really understand, like, do people like when we talk about this or do they not? Do they engage when we ask these types of questions or do they not? And vice versa. And then taking that and and adjusting it the next week. And I think that that's something where people might do it and then look at it, but then they don't truly adjust. And they don't do it in a way or, or the brands aren't doing it in a way where it's very clear cut of like, okay, we're going to ask these style of questions for the week. Like, but not in a way that seems super mechanic, just like you're kind of psychologically testing stuff and, and, and it works and it's, it's incredible. And so like, in a, in a matter of a week, you through social, you can basically get like 20 years worth of Nielsen data. It's amazing. It's your, and it's your own stuff. So like, I, I don't know. It, it's obviously, I'm, I'm obviously is what we do for clients, but to have the full freedom, do whatever the hell we want at any point in time, we've learned amazing things that I don't think clients would allow us to do in the scale and time that we've done them. Yeah. And we'll get to the takeaway for me. It is you keep testing, you keep asking questions because the only way that people are going to continue to respond is if you continue to ask questions and you learn and you refine and you say, wow, this worked, this didn't work, but you keep on going. The number one key to building a community, do not stop, live in action. Keep on keeping on, man. Um, my takeaway as a two-parter, one is when you're, we didn't really touch on this, but when you're doing the content, it needs to be as legitimately real as possible. While it can be visually polished and editing is polished and the production is polished, the content itself needs to be as real as if you're having a conversation in a bar. That's it. Like, I don't care if you're the CEO of GE or myself, it has to be the same. And so that's a big difference in how you get that engagement because people feel like you're approachable and you're a real person. And then the last piece really, again, it is volume and consistency. It is volume and consistency. It is volume and consistency. So Brian, what is the action item 
that you want to give for today. Oh, you team me up, dude. If you have not seen Growing Bold, please go to my Facebook page, search my name or Bold CEO and go down the rabbit hole. I really want to know what you think about Growing Bold. And if you have watched it, tweet at me also at Bold CEO, like it or hate it. What do you think? (laughs) 